Welcome to Bible Study. This is Nick Krita, your host. Thank you for joining us today. It's our privilege to open the Bible, the Word of God again, and to learn what God has prepared for us. And we are continuing to look into this uh, topic which we have in the crucible with Christ. And we are um, approaching a subject today, seeing the goldsmith's face. I think this will be a very interesting one to look at and to see what the Bible has to say about this. It's good to have our panel uh, today, maybe a little bit uh, smaller than usual, but uh, good to have you with us, Will. Thank you, Nick. It's again a privilege. And Ken, thank you for joining. Yes, thank you, Nick. It's always a privilege to be here and looking forward to today's discussion. Lija, thank you for coming with us uh, as well. Yes, thank you. It's a special blessing. And Brenton, it's good to have you part of this, in particular because you prepared this Bible study for today and you are going to facilitate this uh, discussion. Thank you, Nick. It really is a privilege to be able to share the Word of God in our study for today. And uh, we're looking forward to this topic, as a number of you have said. All right. Well, um, let's just... uh, Started, uh, please take us through, uh, Brenton. Certainly. Um, as Nick has mentioned, um, the topic that we are discussing today is seeing the goldsmith's face. And I'm going to read you a statement that I just want you to think about. Battles are to be fought every day. A great warfare is going on over every soul between the Prince of Darkness and the Prince of Light. The Prince of Life, rather, is at the head of his work. He is to be with you in your daily battle with self. That you may be true to principle that passion, when warring for the mastery, may be subdued by the grace of Christ. That you may come off more than conquerors through him who loved you or loved us. Jesus has been over the ground. He knows the power of every temptation. He knows just how to meet every emergency and how to guide you through every path of danger. Now, that should be very, very encouraging to us, I believe, in um, what we are going to be studying today. There was another statement that I found that I felt was really important to share with us. Of all the gifts that heaven can bestow upon men, fellowship with Christ in his sufferings is the most weighty trust and the highest honour. That is a statement personally that I've found very, very challenging and also very, very moving because when we go through trials and when we go through trouble, like we're going to be looking at in our study today, uh, we can be assured that this indicates heaven's confidence in us that we are able to stand the test that we're going through. We're going to be looking at the image of God being restored in us us as a witness to heavenly angels and the principalities and powers of darkness. I don't know whether we uh, sometimes think when we go through trial and trouble, it's not just us that's um, that are suffering it that are the ones that are observing all of this. We have all of heaven, all of the unfallen angels and the fallen angels observing uh, what is taking place here together with the unfallen worlds. In other words, we're a theatre, a spectacle to, uh, to what is going on. 
And um, we're going to have a look at uh, faith in the refining fire. But uh, immediately, Job 23.10 came to mind, and we'll be looking at that a little later, where Job states, when he has tested me, I shall come forth as gold. We're going to be looking at one of or two of the parables of Jesus in Matthew 25 uh, that have a definite relationship to character. We are also going to be looking at a statement in Daniel 12, uh, particularly verse 3, uh, which is an interesting one. And then we're going to be having a look at character and how Christian character and what effect that can have in our community. Ken, I wondered if you could pray for us before we commence. Thanks. Certainly, Brenton. Heavenly Father, thank you that we can gather again today to explore and share your word. Lord, Suffering and pain were never part of your plan for mankind, a plan that included a beautiful planet filled with everything that would be good for mankind, beautiful food that he just had to take from the trees, beautiful flowers and animals for him to admire and walk beside. But man sinned through Satan and the door was open for sin to enter paradise. The beautiful world and mankind would now see the results of sin. But you and your love decided to rescue man and send Jesus to take our sin and teach us how to return to you and develop the character of Jesus without which no one will see the kingdom of heaven. We read, Lord, to receive this character, we need to be refined as pure gold. So day by day, we grow in wisdom and understanding until we too can reflect Jesus in our lives and show others the love you have for all mankind. Lord, we pray for all those listening today that these words may help and encourage them to overcome all problems that they face and know that you are always with them to the end of time. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Mm, Thank you, Kim. There was a story which I'm going to briefly summarise for you rather than um, share the whole thing with you, but a group of students were taken in India some years ago to visit a goldsmith. They wanted to see how the goldsmith operated, how he refined the gold, and how he knew when the gold had reached the point that he was happy with it and that it was totally refined. They watched him put, putting certain things together, certain combinations together, and they asked him how he knew when the gold was purified. And this is his answer. He said, when I can see my face in it. So we're going to examine the role of suffering in the refining and beautifying of our character from Scripture today. Ken, thank you for your um, prayer. I think it's very important. God did not send suffering, but I believe he can use suffering and persecution and trial to refine our characters. We're going to commence our study by having a look at a text that is actually a very important one. It's found in one of my favourite chapters of uh, the New Testament, uh, the book of Romans and chapter 8. I wonder, Will, would you be able to share with us um, chapter 8, verse 29? And by way of comparison, we're also going to be having a look at what Christ or what God himself said about his own character in Exodus 34, 5-7. Thank you, Will. If you would share that with us and maybe make some uh, pertinent comments And as a uh, panel, we can discuss that. Thank you. Sure. Romans chapter 8, verse 29 says, For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, 
that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Uh, God's work to conform us to his image so that others might see his image in us, like the goldsmith, uh, perhaps. Uh, but yes. let me read Exodus 34, verses 5 to 7. Then the Lord came down in a cloud and stood there with him and proclaimed his name, the Lord. And he passed in front of Moses, proclaiming, The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands, and forgiving wickedness, rebellion and sin. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sin of their parents to the third and fourth generation. I think what's important here is to notice that when Moses asked God to show him his person, God showed him his character. Yes. What was beautiful about it is that these, well, these are all characteristics we would really long for in our own lives, wouldn't we? Compassionate, great being gracious, uh, patience, abounding in love and faithfulness, loving uh, thousands, forgiving wickedness. Wonderful, wonderful. You know, I just say, we, we've all seen people who have idolized celebrities to the extent of wanting to buy the same brands and dress like them, look like them, and sometimes with the help of plastic surgery even. <laughs> they even yeah. try to speak like them. You know, they fashion their lives with the overriding thought that somehow people looking on would see similarities to the person they obsess over. Well, I think it's a noble aspiration to want to act like Jesus and adopt his pure and noble nature. The world would be a better place, I believe, Brenton and panel and listeners. Yes, agreed. If uh, we shifted out, shifted our goals or fame and celebrity to try to become more like the master himself. Mm. Nick, you had a thought for us. And just as Will uh, said, um, this is kind of like our human um, approach. You know, uh, we look at the exterior, we look at the, at the face, as, as the Bible says, but God looks inwards, you know, yes. God yes. look at the um, character. And that's why he's even advising us not to be trapped into what, we can see in exterior because we may not know what's going on in the in the heart. Yeah, Ken, you had a thought for us too. Yes, I think this is such an interesting passage because when the Lord's talking to Moses, he's really laying out himself before Moses and giving in no doubt exactly what he is and who he is. Yes. And it makes it very, very clear to anyone reading it exactly how God operates and what he thinks about human beings, I believe, because mm. I believe many people today have a, a very angry and, and uh, is always seeking to do harm to human beings if they're not doing the right thing. But here God lays out his character, character in black and white and chooses exactly what he is and uh, how he operates with people. Yes, isn't it interesting that both verses that Will read, Romans 8, 29, and also uh, the, particularly the one in Exodus, the character of God is revealed particularly in the Exodus one. In fact, 
I would suggest, guys, and I'm happy for your comments, that's probably the best definition that God gives of himself in the Old Testament. Mm. It, it pretty well covers everything that we understand about God. Will, you had a thought? I read a little statement in a, in a book called Acts of the Apostles, talking about looking at uh, Jesus and uh, conforming to his image. It says, the more you study the character of Christ, the more attractive uh, will he appear to you. Yes. He will become as one near you, in close companionship with you, and your affections will go out after him. If the mind is molded by the objects with which it has most to do, then to think of Jesus, to talk of him, will enable you to become like him in spirit and character. You will reflect his image in that which is great and pure and spiritual. You will have the mind of Christ and he will send you forth to the world as his spiritual representatives. I would like to say his spiritual giants. <laughs> That's a wonderful statement, but um, there's, a, there's a small problem with our uh, society today, uh, guys, and that's this. Our society is not noted for its ability to be able to concentrate the mind for significant periods of time. <laughs> um, this is why even in things like preaching and teaching, uh, we're always mindful of the clock. Uh, where perhaps we should be spending more time in laying out the groundwork of salvation and the things that are important. In order to contemplate Christ and become more like him in character, you've actually got to spend time doing it. <laughs> it doesn't happen in two minutes uh, with something on your tablet. It happens with spending a significant amount of time. We're told in one place we should spend a thoughtful hour each day in the contemplation of the life of Christ. Many people, including our listeners, would say, I haven't got the time. Well, surely it depends on what is important to you that uh, is the motivating factor as to how much time you spend. I find personally that if I get up early in the morning, I can spend that time with the Lord and uh, in the contemplation. Nick, you had a thought for us as well. Just while you said that, uh, Brenton, I'm wondering if um, we should just uh, be complacent or um, just accept to say, okay, we live in this uh, time, in this generation, in whatever it is, and um, and not to pursue what is yes. the um, teaching of of the Bible, because I believe it's the same. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And you would like probably to have the same kind of uh, mindset, if you like, yes. in this regard. I mean, let's put it this way. Uh, what about if Jesus himself or the disciples or others, when they will go to pray, go into the beautiful garden there to pray and say, okay, I'm going to pray for 15 minutes, but I have to rush off because I need to go there and there. I mean, I believe people are busy those days in those days too, and maybe even have a, a harder life than we have today. Yeah. But I think we are getting used to the thing, and we are not even um, prepared for the change, for the difference, mm -hmm. to make a difference in uh, yeah. in our circles. Let's say you know in the society yeah. today, because a change starts with the, 
you know, with somebody who wants to stay for what is right. I think it's, it starts often, with the individual. Nick. Yeah, yes. I, I think too often we excusing ourselves, uh, thinking that, oh, we have to do like this because otherwise we are not uh, received or whatever. You mentioned about even preaching and other things. Yeah, I I wonder about this uh, Situation. Well, I, I think that's fair, Nick, because often people, uh, you know, some people get, shall we say, nervous uh, when it reaches a certain time in the church service and the minister hasn't finished. <laughs> I, I, I fail to see how that is going to help us to be conformed into his image and how to uh, understand uh, his ways and how he would have us operate better. Um, just going back to what you read, Will, in 829, uh, let me just make a couple of comments before we move on. The term predestined means, believe it or not, set apart, set apart. The term conformed that you read about means the restoration of God's image in us, which I found uh, particularly good. And Christ is the firstborn. Now, this is an interesting one. It's based on the fact that because our resurrection is dependent upon his resurrection. In other words, if Christ had not risen from the dead, we would not also rise from the dead should we fall asleep before now and when Jesus comes. The term firstborn here is an indication of importance, not of genealogy. So uh, there was some rather interesting thoughts in those particular texts. But I think we got out of there the fact that very clearly that the character of God is what he wants to reproduce in us. And the fruits of the spirit can only happen if we're walking in the spirit. Brendan, just on, on that one, because you yeah. mentioned the word the predestined. Many it means people, certain thing to some people, Nick. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to just <clears throat> to clarify uh, very quickly, that uh, aspect, because I heard many people saying, oh, God predestined those who he wants to be his uh, uh, children, which means whatever I try to do myself, if I'm not predestined to be uh, in his, uh, let's say, image, image then... Yes. What was the point of trying? But mm. I don't think so. As you just said, what that means is that set apart when we have a relationship with the God, you know, we are a peculiar people, you know. Yeah, well, that, that's interesting, Nick. Can I take that one step further before we do move on and simply reflect on this? If predestined means what some people believe that it means rather than set apart, How many people then on the face of the earth does God want to reflect his image? Has he selected just a few people that he wants to, them to reflect his image? I believe the whole purpose of Jesus coming to this earth was to restore the image of God in man. That means everybody. And it's totally dependent upon whether we choose to allow him to do that or not. Mm. But it's not restricted to a certain group of people. It's available to anybody who chooses to say, Lord, I want your image reproduced in me. I think that, Brenton, um, to think that God would arbitrarily just choose yeah, a good thought. number of people uh, and say, well, they are going to heaven, the rest of you will be off with you, there's no future for you. That's not the God that I serve. No, mine my, my neither. 
There's an interesting statement that uh, we want to share, both as a panel and with our listeners, and it says this, the very image of God is to be reproduced in humanity. Full stop. The honour of God, the honour of Christ, is involved in the perfection of the character of his people. My question is, how is this achieved? Nick is going to share with us from the book of Galatians, which I believe gives us a clue as to how this is to take place. Thank you, Nick. Yes, Brenton. I would like to read from um, Galatians chapter 5 and verse 16. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide you, guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. Maybe when verse uh, 17, the sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit once. In verse 22, also says that, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Isn't that a powerful statement, Nick? Mm. Anyone got any thoughts on this particular one? So if the image of God is to be reproduced in us, surely this gives us a clue biblically as to how the process is to operate, that we have to walk in the spirit in order to have the fruits of the spirit. One of the interesting things about the fruits of the spirit is this, all the fruits of the spirit that um, you mentioned there, Nick, we don't get them all at once. Mm-hmm. Just the same as if you grow a group of trees in your orchard or your garden and they all produce fruit, all the fruit doesn't come at the same time. So that's an interesting thought. <laughs> it encourages me to know that the fruits of the spirit that God's developing in me are not all going to develop at the same time. Ken, have you got a thought for us? Yes, I think it's that's a, an interesting point, Brent, in what you said. And... I believe sometimes when new people come to the Lord and they're baptized, they automatically think that they're going to change within two seconds and they're just going to become like Christ instantly. And that's not the case. We have a walk with the Lord and it's a journey. And that journey, as we go along that journey, different things are added and we overcome things and we grow in Christ and we grow in these Fruits of the Spirit, as you've mentioned a moment ago, Brent, they don't all come at once. It's a gradual process where we learn to accept Jesus and walk in his Spirit, and, and, and these things will be added as we grow in Christ. I believe that's a very good statement. Ken, um, Will, you had a thought for us as well in regard or comment in regard to this. I think if we're under the instruction of Christ in this world, we will take every um, every developed character trait with us to the heavenly mansions. You know, my favorite writer actually says, in heaven, we are continually to improve. In other words, character. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> the question is asked, how important then is the development of character in this life? I wouldn't like to have a backlog. I'd love to develop as much. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, Nick? Just on uh, that aspect, it, it means 
that um, when you talk about the Holy Spirit and the presence of the Holy Spirit, sometime I heard these things that have you been, uh, have, you, have you received the Holy Spirit? Have you been baptized with it, the Spirit? <laughs> yeah, which means when you receive it, you have it forever. That's not the case, actually, because it says here in the first part of the verse, which I read. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide you. Let the yes. Holy Spirit yeah. guide yeah. you yeah. because you can stop that, you know, um, in sometime in your life. Because even then I said, then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. Yes. And sometimes we find ourselves that we, we crave things or we, we, even Apostle Paul says, with the mind, I want to do the good thing, but this flesh, it's weak, you know, and the things I don't yeah. want to do, I do. And the things I, you know. Yes, you're referring to Romans 7. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to yes. say that the, mm. the presence of the Holy Spirit in our life, it needs to be an, an intentional focus every day, you know, to allow the Holy Spirit to work in our life, not to just say, okay, I've been blessed with the Holy Spirit through the fire of, uh, you yeah. know, mm. the Holy Spirit. And then I have yep. the Holy Spirit, I can do whatever yeah. I can from now on. Nick, I believe the, the key words you used were intentional. <laughs> Very important. <laughs> now, we know of a guy in the Bible, I think most of us who are aware of a guy with a very short name. It starts with J and it ends with B. In between is the word O. And I think O probably describes the experiences he went through fairly well, to be honest. <laughs> uh, I'm not going to give you an exposition on the book of Job today, but there are certain texts that we want to share in our study. And uh, Ken, I wonder if you'd take care of those for us. Um, the, specifically, we're looking at Job 23, verse 3 and 4, and verse 8 to 10. And I think verse 10 is the one that is particularly important. And then comparing it with um, some statements where God talks to Job later on and questions him, and Job, res Job responds in chapter 42. Thanks, Ken. Uh, over to you. Well, as we read Job 23 and verses 3, 4, 8, and 10, we start off on 3. Oh, that I knew where I might find him, that I might come to even his seat. I would lay my case before him and fill my mouth with arguments. Behold, I go forward, but he's not there, and backward but I do not perceive him. On the left hand where he is working, I do not behold him. He turns to the right hand, but I do not see him. So here we see Job is, Job is searching for God to present his case, but yes. cannot seem to find him. What is comforting about Job's statement is in verse 10, which I'll read in a moment. It can help us, even though our trials are not of the magnitude of Job. Does this show that Job's confidence in God's assessment of him? Note Job's response. So we read in verse 10, But he knows the way that I take. When he has tried me, I shall come out as gold. So Job, obviously, although he's physically not seeing God, he knows that God is with him and is uh, in all ways looking after him and in putting him through, or he's gone through these trials, and he knows that God will take him all the way through. But then we read in Job 42 and 3 and 6, Job, uh, Job says, Who is this that hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore, 
I have uttered what I did not understand, things too wonderful for me, which I did not know. Hear, and I will speak. I will question you, and you make it known to me. I heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eyes see you. Therefore, I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. A really, really interesting verse because God realizes that this God is awesome and amazing. And although God has all these, I'll, I'll put it this way, earthly questions, the things of God are spiritual and he's looking at it from a different way, Job Noy. Mm, it's true. Any, anybody else got any thoughts on this particular one? Brenton, we have a picture here of a man that is uh, suffering tremendous persecution. Oh. And he's uh, <laughs> um, almost become an idiom in today's um Today's um, well, he's, he's an idiom of suffering. We, we talk about the suffering of Job, don't we? That's right. You mm. know, the thing is, um, he was in desperate situation. What Ken has read there, oh, that I knew where I might find him, that I might even come into his presence or to his seat. Um, I believe that um, we shall all know one day, we'll see more closely how the, how the trials that we've gone through with regard to were dealt with our salvation. How, as Paul puts it, how these light afflictions were worked out for us a far more exceeding uh, an eternal weight of glory. You know, the years of self-denial, the privation, the trial, the affliction, and the persecution that Paul endured, he called but a moment. <laughs> he did. He did. Mm. And the things of this, t- this present time were not considered worth the awaited, uh, you know, when the warfare of this earth would be over. I think, uh, Brenton, that we need to learn a lesson that there is a benefit in trial and tribulation and test that will uh, refine us like gold. And ultimately, perhaps people will see the uh, reflection of the master in in the gold. Yeah, that's a good thought. Um do you think this shows Job's confidence in God's assessment of him? I, I pondered, pondered that one as I was studying this, and I've come to the conclusion that he was confident, that even though he could not understand what he was going through, and furthermore he couldn't find God or didn't seem to be able to find him, he was still confident at the end of it all when God has examined him intimately, God will justify him, God will vindicate him. And his character will come forth as gold. We do know that later in the book of um, Job, you remember God says to uh, his friends, you have not spoken of me as my servant Job has. Mm. Um, The comment here in this statement, Job reveals the transition from a religious experience shaped by tradition to an experience based on personal communion with God. I think that's what we need. Don't you agree? Mm. Nick, you had a thought for us. Yeah, just mentioning that about Job and his character, even though when you read the book of Job, you may wonder, you think, oh, why is Job saying this and that? You know, because uh, he's asking questions. He's even, um, you know, trying to reason with uh, even with his friends, you know, uh, but <laughs> what I got out of here, uh, Brenton, mm. mentioning about sure. the, the character, is that sometimes we may think that, oh, if you have a 
perfect character, which on this earth it's very difficult to to have that. But what that means to to have a good character? It means that even if you make mistakes, even if you experience, you know, negative things, you are able to recognize that and uh, come back and uh, sort out the problem. That's when you talk about uh, a character. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a, a character where you acknowledge and even accept that you do wrong things. And in this case, Job actually, he didn't know what's going on because he looked at, I said, oh, man, why this happen uh, that my friends are accusing me of doing wrong things, trying to implant into my mm. mind that mm. I need to yes. sort out something yes. with God, which I haven't done anything against God like that. Yes. Yes. That was his yes. problem. But mm. his trust in God is exactly as it was mentioned here. He even said, even though you'll slay me, I will still, still trust, trust you. Yeah. You know, that was yes. God's, uh, presence in Job's life and his character was uh, strong because of that. Even when his wife came against him and all those things, he stood firm because he, he knew did. that God cannot let him down. Yeah, he he did know that. It seems as though right through the book, somehow he clung to the fact, number one, I'm innocent. And number two, God will eventually vindicate me. And uh, I believe, though, that chapter 42 and verse 5 is so important. Uh, Now my eyes have seen you for myself. Because God never gives him an answer. (laughs) This is a most frustrating book for some people, the book of Job. He never gets an answer. God doesn't say, sit down, and I'll tell you why you're suffering. You're suffering because I had a bet with Satan. I shouldn't use the word bet, but I can't think of another term. I had a discussion with Satan and he claimed that the only reason you were um, following me is because I look after you and I'm out to prove him wrong. So that's what's been going on all along. God doesn't say any of those things to him. He do- all he does is give him an indication of his power by saying, where were you when I created the world? Where were you when I did this, that and the other? And um, it seems as though that is sufficient for Job. Job at the end says, I, I, I think I'd better shut up. I don't really know what I'm talking about. Ken, you had a thought for us. I just wanted to add something I think is important in that one, Brenton. And perhaps, and I'm not saying this is correct, but you said that God didn't give Job an answer. Now, if he had a given Job an answer, perhaps people today who are going through similar trials who might not get an answer would then think, well, God's not with me because he hasn't answered me. So this whole story of Job, trust in the Lord is everything. And no matter how bad things appear, and no matter if you don't hear the Lord's voice or you don't think the Lord's with you, he is always with you. Ken, I believe that's a very important comment that you've made. It's very important Mm. aspect. You know, God knew. God knew Job. That's why he was um, talking to Satan in Mm. that way. Have you seen Mm. my righteous man, Job? And because God knew Job, Yes. He he knew the end of it also, but all Job's experience, that was an mm. object lesson for me and you, my dear listener, or anybody else. Yeah, good thought. And we go now, um, because time is moving on, uh, to the book of Matthew, where in the very last comments that Christ made before he went to the cross, he told some parables. Matthew 25 is known for having three parables in it. 
But the ones that we're going to look at specifically in the period of time we've got left are, um, Nick, I wondered if you could share, rather than reading Matthew 25, verse 1 to 10, maybe just concentrate on the issue of the oil. It mentions, we know, I think most of us know the story. There were 10 virgins. They all had lamps. Um, they all initially had oil in their lamps, and they were waiting for the bridegroom to come. And when the cry went out, behold, the bridegroom came, only five of them had sufficient oil to, um, shall we say, light their lamps and be able to accompany the bridegroom to the wedding feast. So I wonder if you could just share fairly briefly that one with us, Nick, um, because one of the comments that's been made is everybody sees the oil as the Holy Spirit. But another uh, school of thought suggests that the oil mentioned here may also be character. How do you see that? Yeah, that's so true, um, Brenton. And uh, as you said, I'm not going to read it, but I'll invite uh, our listener yet to, to look into this passage and read, sure, uh, sure. read the whole story. It's a beautiful story to learn some good lessons there. And as you said about the 10 virgins, now the key point there is also that there were five foolish and, and five, five wise. wise. Mm-hmm. I, I, this is a key point here. And it says that the wise the wiser one, they took extra oil with them. Why they were considered wise? Because they, uh, in case, just in case, if something, it's a delay or something happens, we should have plenty of uh, oil to keep our uh, uh, lamps burning. And that's what was considered wise. Now, when the foolish ones asked them to give some oil, they were not able to uh, to give but I, I want to focus on this point. Wisdom cannot be passed on. Wisdom needs to be learned, which is part of the character, you know. And uh, that's probably why the wise ones, they were not willing to share that because they don't want to run out themselves and then all of them not to have any, any oil. But uh, as you just pointed out, uh, Brenton, the oil may represent uh, the Holy Spirit, uh, but what we do in everyday life represents also how we build up our character by learning not to repeat the same mistakes again and again. And this is again another object lesson for us. Can I take you also to another passage in the Bible, um, uh, Brent, very briefly in Ezekiel chapter 14? and. Sure. And uh, verse 14, which says here, even if Noah, Daniel, and Job were there, their righteousness would save no one but themselves, says the sovereign Lord. Now, this is the words character can't be transferred, Nick. Character cannot be transferred. And and that's why sometimes we are uh, tempted to say, okay, I will. Oh, give me a little bit. Give me a bit of that, you know. Sure. We need to have that relationship with Jesus Christ, personal, to receive the Holy Spirit, to experience that transformation which we talked about. Mm, thank you, Nick. I think you've covered that pretty well. Lydia, in the second part of Matthew 25, <laughs> we have the story of the sheep and the goats. Once again, I won't get you to read all 16 verses of it, uh, but um, what do you think was the determining factor 
um, as to those that were on the right and those that were on the left and the rewards that each received. Is it related, do you think, to character? Yes, of course. This parable um, explains very plainly that when Jesus will come, he will separate the wise from the wicked, like yes. you can separate the goats to the sheep. So the sheep on the right and the goats on the left. And um, what is very important, it says that the king will say to those on the right, come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and gave you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison uh, and go to visit you? So this is a second nature. Because those who are righteous did this without noticing it. Yes. Because it means it was implanted in their own nature. Mm. And the king will reply, I will tell you the truth. Whatever you did this for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did it for me. So it's very interesting here, this verse. For one of the least, the least of the people in the world, those who are not noticeable in the world, you know, the, yeah. the orphans, the the widows, the, the beggars, the yeah. homeless. Mm. And there is another verse here down there, and it says, he will reply, I tell you the truth, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. Hmm. Lydia, I, I think you've touched on a very important point there. Yesterday, I was at Minister's uh, Fraternal Meeting here in Mount Gambia, and uh, it's been brought to our notice by our um, ADRA op shop director down here, uh, and also confirmed yesterday when I was with the other ministers that um, we have people here in the southeast who are living in tents, down at the Salvation Army here in Mount Gambia, there are people living in tents behind the Salvation Army building. Can you imagine living in a tent in this weather? Now, I don't know all the circumstances of it, obviously, and we're looking at what we can do to help them. But this is practical Christianity. This is Christianity at the coalface, is it not? This is, this is really what Christ is talking about. Yeah, the tendency is... Uh for us to excuse ourselves, just to say, hey, we live in a country like ours here. Um, the government provides this, this and that. And uh, we we don't have that attachment, if you like, heart to heart with people because we don't understand the circumstances. Sure, We don't sure. understand through what people are going through. We just yeah. excuse ourselves saying, you know what? The government provides, they should uh, manage and do this, this and that. But God, it's Asking us differently, where is your heart 
you know yes. how do you feel with people? I believe so Nick. and I yes. think we're missing out of exactly mm. what you said and Lija said that, that we are missing out of enriching our character mm. just because of the situation in which we are we live in a yes. plentiful yeah. you know we live yeah. in a country which offers thank God yeah. uh, plenty I believe a character that is after the mind of Christ sees these things clearly. We see, we see needs around us. We see what is happening to people. We see the way they're being crushed by despair and by um, hopelessness. And so many people at the moment are living in a hopeless sort of scenario. In the book of Daniel, uh, in chapter 12, which is the summary of the book, there's an interesting verse in verse 3. Will, I wondered if you could share that with us and uh, just maybe give a little bit of insight into how that affects the term character that we're studying in our study today. Yes, Brenton, our whole study today focuses on the um, development of character. And uh, that happens, of course, through difficulty and trial. And, of course, um, getting close to the Lord himself. Let, let me just uh, clarify something. Sure. Understanding. Humanity has no light in itself. We have in ourselves no light. Apart from Christ, we are like an unkindled light or like the unwise, um, the foolish virgins, almost like the moon when her face is turned away from the sun. We have not a single ray of brightness to shed into the darkness of this world. But when we turn toward the sun of righteousness, when we come in touch with Christ, Amen. The whole soul becomes aglow with the brightness of the divine presence. And that is where I believe Daniel chapter 12, verse 3, gives us a wonderful insight. It does. Each one of us, those who are wise, shall shine like the brightness of the firmament, and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. There's two parts here. Those that will shine of those, of course, that have um, that are wise and have made the Lord their light, but they also shine even more brightly after they have pointed others to uh, to the Lord Jesus Christ as Saviour. That is true. Um, there's an interesting comment there by living a life of devotion and self-sacrifice in doing good to others. <laughs> this is something for us to con- contemplate as a, as a panel, but also those who are listening. You might have been adding stars and gems to the crown that you will wear in heaven and laying up unfading eternal treasure. Isn't that an interesting statement? Mm-hmm. We know, um, that when we get to heaven, we will have stars in our crown. But you know what? We may have stars in our crown that we're totally unaware of. (laughs) The people that we're currently working with or studying with or praying with or trying to help, it may be that our influence extends a great deal wider than that. And that may be reflected in the uh, crown that we wear in heaven. Um, I believe God is looking at at motive here. Uh, That's that's the all-important thing. Nick, you did mention that earlier on. What God is interested in is not good deeds, because if good deeds were sufficient, surely the Pharisees would all be in heaven en masse. God is looking at the motive behind what we do. 
Ken, when we come to the New Testament, um, we find in three places in the New Testament, in uh, Romans chapter 10, Ephesians 4, and 1 Corinthians 12, we find the gifts of the Spirit that were given to the church. When you look through Ephesians 4, verses 11 to 13, I'll leave it to you. You can either summarise or read it, but there are some key words there that are important that I believe reflect on our character development, not only our character development, but how that is seen both within the church and the wider community. Would you like to share with us on that one? Thanks. Certainly, Brenton. Well, I won't read the whole uh, verse, but basically uh, we hear that uh, he himself, being the Lord, will give some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints. In other words, uh, Christ's followers for the work of the, of the ministry and for edifying the body of Christ till we all come to the unity of the same faith. So here we have many gifts that are available, but not not each person's going to get all of them. We all Great. have different yes. gifts and we all yeah. have different uh, mm. abilities and we all react differently in different ways. Yes. But I think it's so important that these gifts come to us again on our journey, on this road that we are to, uh, to heaven. We receive these gifts as we follow the Lord, and he uses those gifts in us to help others. But I think one of the most important things, that, and Nick brought it up a few minutes ago, which really, yes, he did. Mm. It really hit me, is uh, why you do these things. It's not because of duty. It's not because you should. It's because of what's in your heart. Yes. And uh, I think that's the most important thing. So these, although these gifts will help us, you still need a right heart to be able to use these gifts wisely, I believe, and to help other people. And the purpose of the spiritual gift described is, uh, as we said, it's to help strengthen the church community and hence witness to the wider community. And to really sum it up, I believe it's showing love to others, helping others as you can, and sharing the gospel of Jesus, I think that's the way I sum it up. Yeah, and that's also developing character, isn't it? Yes. So what we found so far is this. We've discovered in our study that sufferings can produce refinement, even though it may seem that God is absent when we're going through it. Um, the only thing we can take to heaven, I believe, is our characters. And we've touched on that in the parable of the virgins in Matthew 25. But we also need to take note of 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13, which states that God will not allow us to be tempted beyond what we are able to bear, but will with the temptation provide a way of escape that we may be able to stand up under it. There are various variations, various translations and paraphrases of that verse. But I believe that um, regardless of which paraphrase you're using, it's teaching you that the temptation or the trial won't necessarily be taken away, but God will give you the strength to stand up under it, to bear it, because ultimately the end result of it all is the refining of your character. Yeah. Just a quote to finish with, which I found really interesting because without this, I believe you cannot develop character. We would never have learned the meaning of the word grace had we never fallen. God loves the sinless angels who do his service and are obedient to all his commands, but he does not give them grace. Grace is an attribute of God shown to undeserving human beings. We did not seek it. 
but it would have sent in search of us. God rejoices to bestow his grace on everyone who hungers for it, not because we are worthy, but because we are so utterly unworthy. Our need is the qualification which gives us the assurance that we will receive this gift. In other words, in summary, I would say this. We cannot develop characters after the the character of Christ without his grace being poured out upon us in unlimited measure. It is only as we understand that God accepts us as we are that we're able to grow and develop. It is only as we recognise that whether at the start of the Christian journey or been there all our lives, whatever state we are in and whatever, uh, sta- whatever position we have reached, I believe it's very important for us to understand that through it all and over it all and covering us all is God's grace. It's God's grace that enables us to move forward. Thank you, Nick. You've got a thought as we close. Yes, uh, just before closing, Brenton, as uh, Ken was talking about those gifts and saying that we may not have all the gifts listed there. Mm, true. The yeah. good thing is that somebody else may have the gifts which we don't have. And if we work in unity as a body of Christ, then we can benefit of each other of those uh, gifts which we may not have. The problem is that we Good continue thought, to Good thought. Yeah, yeah, we continue to live in a very individualistic uh, mind. Then yeah. uh, we, and we're missing out of the many blessings which God will want us to be blessed with. Not necessarily having that gift, but somebody else having that gift and that will be reflected in my yes. life and we can yeah. benefit of that. I thought that that's very important, you know. It, it to, is very important to realize that because God wants us to be united to be one, as he says in the Bible, in oneness. Yes. Yeah, I, I think that reflects very much what Ken was reading about the the gifts there. So the challenge for us today is in the crucible of suffering, this grace is what refines us and strengthens us. As our characters become more like Christ, let us thank him for the work his grace is doing in us and through us, outflowing to others. So I wonder, Lydia, would you pray for us in closing? Sure. Almighty God, Father in heaven, in the name of Jesus, we're coming here before you, Father, to thank you so much for your plan of refinement and purification to all those who accept and love you in order to become like Jesus in his image. Father, Thank you so much for the plan of restoration to become blameless and upright and fear God and shunning evil to become humble, dead to self and the eyes to be single to your glory. Father, thank you so much that you look to our molding transforming our character to become a reflection of your character. Please help us that we keep our eyes on you, staying in contact with you, living conform your principles and your love. Mm -hmm. To appreciate how important character development 
is in the plan of salvation. Mm. Father, please help us to cultivate a relation with you permanently, to grow every day, to fruit and experience maturity. Help us to remain fully surrendered to the Holy Spirit each day, trusting in you and determined to endure, keep persevering, to become pure as gold, for your image of character to be implanted in our image, in the end, to become the jewel that you see in us, and be with you for eternity to bring you honor and glory and praise here and being with you in eternity. In Jesus' precious name we pray it. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you so much, everyone, for uh, your input today. Yes, this is a very practical um, aspect of uh, Bible study when we can learn how to grow, how to refine our character. And we know that only through the word of God and uh, keeping our eyes uh, um, towards Jesus. We're inviting you, my dear friend, um, to join us again, listening to our uh, broadcast, when we are going to talk a little bit more about extreme heat, and not only, uh, you know, like 40 and over 40 degrees Celsius in some parts of this world, uh, but um, as we experience a world which is on an extreme heat, even spiritually. May God bless you and keep walking in the footsteps of Jesus.